Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Katie Martin. The chief financial officer of Chinese telecoms giant Huawei has been arrested in Canada in response to an extradition request from the US, which is investigating alleged violation of sanctions against Iran. Victor Mallet is joined by Louise Lucas, Nick Files and Adam Sampson to discuss the arrest and its implications for the trade dispute between China and the US. We have Louise Lucas, who's our Asia tech correspondent in Hong Kong, on the line. Louise, tell us a little bit about Huawei, about Meng Wanzhou, and what kind of a relationship this company has with the authorities in Beijing. Huawei is a big company, and it's an opaque one. It has about 180,000 employees, and revenues this year are likely to hit $100 billion. It makes smartphones and overtook Apple in the second quarter in terms of unit sales. And it also sells telecoms equipment. That's a controversial bit for the US and other governments, which fear it could be used for snooping. Ms. Mang is the CFO and one of the company's four deputy chairs, a role she took up in April of this year. But more importantly, she is the daughter of founder Ren, an ex-army officer in the People's Liberation Army, who founded Huawei in 1987. It's never been clear exactly what Huawei's relations are with Beijing. The US believes that it has links with the government, which has helped it both in terms of funding, at least through vendor finance when it's been selling its kit, and also sees a a tighter relationship with Beijing. From Huawei's point of view, it's always staunchly refuted this. It says it is indeed wholly owned by employees, And again, although it's founded by Ren, the ex-PLA officer, that it has no military links either. How has Huawei itself responded to the arrest in Canada? Huawei's response has been, in a word, succinct. It said it had been given very little information about the charges and is not aware of any wrongdoing. It said that it complied with all the relevant laws and made a point of specifying that these included export control and sanction laws. And finally, Louise... What do we think the Chinese authorities might do now? This does look like a bit of a political issue, given the tensions between the US and China over the trade war. China's response so far has been relatively moderate. There have been tweets and comments from the foreign ministry which do bring in links with the ongoing trade talks, which received the 90-day truce at just much the same time as Ms Meng was being arrested. The analysts note that it does look like Washington is taking a page from the Chinese playbook of picking up bargaining chips in the broader geopolitical battle, and few are ruling out the possibility of tit-for-tat measures. Nick Files is our telecoms correspondent. Nick, what kind of company is Huawei as seen from outside China? How big a company is it? How important a company is it to the rest of the world? Absolutely crucial, but also depends, I guess, where you're sitting. In Europe, Huawei has gone from being a company, I guess, people had heard of in around 2003, 2004, to basically the largest supplier of telecoms equipment. That's the stuff on mobile masts, the stuff that comes into the network through transmission. And in some countries, not the UK, uh, it's the stuff in the core, which actually routes calls, links subscribers to where they need to go. And as I said, it's been an incredible rise. I think before they won what was a landmark deal with BT for their 21st century network in 2005, you had very famous names like Marconi, Nortel, Siemens, all very, very vibrant in this market. We're now down to about three players, and that's largely down to Huawei's pretty relentless rise, to be honest. So in terms of quality and value for money, it's sort of among the top three, right? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's by sheer volume as well. And you've made an interesting point there. I think the telecoms companies themselves have loved Huawei because they've offered very cost-effective product. They've not been beholden to some of those larger historic companies and the products that they sell. Huawei have been very flexible, very willing to work with them, and very cheap traditionally. But heading into 5G, interestingly, the amount that they've spent on research and development, I mean, these guys have 80,000 research and development engineers, which is a staggeringly large workforce. Heading into 5G, their kit's actually arguably more sophisticated than that provided by the remaining players, which are Nokia and Ericsson. They may think differently, but when I talk to telecoms companies, they say, we want to launch 5G now. We pretty much have to do it with them. Thanks very much. Can we look a little bit at exactly what has happened here and why it's happened? Do we think that this is about Huawei being suspected of breaching US sanctions against Iran? And is there a sort of broader concern about for example, the theft of Western technology, or at least the use of Western technology, which is part of the problems that have confronted Trump and Xi in the US-China trade war? Or is it a suspicion that they might insert spying software into their equipment? Or is it just simply sort of Western fears of overdependence on one very big and important Chinese company? A bit of everything. <laughs> I mean, a lot of stuff is being conflated here, specifically on the issue of the arrest and the Iran sanctions. That's definitely something that we should think about in terms of the trade war. We saw that with ZTE earlier this year. This was a company that basically copped to breaching those sanctions. Huawei's been investigated over the same period and nothing much has happened until now. ZTE were fined, I think it was $1.2 billion, and then fined again and almost went out of existence. This year, when they were found not to have lived up to their promises, this looks a bit similar to that situation in terms of the arrest. But There are a lot of other issues. Here in the UK, we've set up with GCHQ a cell to monitor the code that goes into the telecoms equipment because of some of those other fears you talked about, whether that's espionage, whether it's a big red button in Shenzhen that could shut down the network and cripple their economy. We've never seen much proof of that. I mean, again, if you talk to the telcos, they feel fairly comfortable using the equipment and they wouldn't if they thought that was possible. But these are things that never go away. ZTE turned out to be heavily dependent on US chips and US technology. Is that also the case with Huawei? Do we know how dependent they are on imported technology? Absolutely. Just like any global company, they're supplying stuff for their smartphones, for their tablets, for their optical components from all over the place. They're possibly a little bit more resilient than ZTE were. But no, this would definitely be a blow if it were to go a similar way. So what have they actually done? What has the US actually done to confront uh, Huawei about this? How does this latest arrest fit into what they have tried to do? You mentioned ZTE, but what about Huawei itself? What have they actually done so far apart from this latest arrest? Well, the Americans have been hotter on this for a longer. So uh, although there is some Huawei kit in the regional networks, they've never really cracked that market. They've always been frozen out of the national networks provided by the likes of Verizon and AT&T. And now they've been formally banned from 5G. Probably not a surprise, but also they can't even sell phones there anymore. But that view has then spread to countries like Australia. I was going to say it's yeah. not just, no, uh, not not just the US, right? Australia, the US New Zealand, allies. And... Yeah, Australia, New Zealand. And as we've written in the FT, there's been a lot of pressure coming for the UK and Europe as well to take a similar view on those security concerns. Absolutely. I'm going to turn now to Adam Sampson, who's the head of Fast FT. There's been quite a dramatic response on the markets to this, hasn't there? What exactly has happened and where has the action been biggest? 
No, that's exactly right. Investor sentiment certainly has taken a blow, just the latest hit. The markets on Wall Street on Thursday were down more than 2%. European markets took a hit as well. Asia, too. The oil price is down as well, so that's played into it. However, relations between the U.S. and China have been very, very much front and center for investors. You know, they're the world's two biggest economies, and what happens between those two has a great influence on a lot of other assets. Is that the reason? Is it a sort of broader concern about where the US-China relationship is going to go? Or is it sort of hitting tech companies and Huawei and its maybe its suppliers and its connected companies more than anybody else? That's right. Yeah, I think it's caused concern about the broader trend once again. So earlier this week, most markets rallied quite substantially on news that there seemed to be a truce between China and the U.S. on trade. Stocks rallied. It was a big risk on, um, as investors called it. But now a lot of that's reversing on concerns that perhaps this will deal a blow to trade talks between the U.S. and China. Because it did look as though there was some kind of temporary compromise between the US and China, between Xi Jinping and Donald Trump on this. And this and maybe other things appear to have slightly blown it out of the water, although we don't know the precise reasons at this yeah, stage. Yeah, I mean, I, what a lot of investors are saying today is that it potentially puts that temporary truce in jeopardy. I don't think anybody's saying for sure that it's going to necessarily knock it out of the water, but it certainly raises fresh questions. And we've reached a point where investors really aren't keen for anything that might cause more headwinds in the U.S.-China relationship. And Nick and Adam, I mean, where do we think we go from here with all this? I mean, what are the dangers for the markets, for the telecoms companies, for the consumers of the the telecom stuff? What are we facing in the days ahead? Is there the possibility of retaliation by China? Are people worried about that? Nick? I could speak for, for the telecoms market. This is very disruptive for companies that were planning to use Huawei equipment to build 5G networks, which also feeds into Internet of Things technology. So it's broader than the telecom sector. This has put a spanner in the works. I mean, it, it is at least going to delay things months, years. We don't know how long is a piece of string. And the other issue is cost. I mean, telecoms companies, you know, we think of them as giant cash machines, but actually they've been struggling for growth for some time, especially in Europe. So, you know, wiping out one of the main suppliers is certainly going to have a knock-on effect for investors, for consumers eventually as well, if they don't get the benefits of this as soon as other markets. So, Adam, the market's going to be cautious in the days ahead, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think the biggest concern for investors broadly is that it causes a deeper chill in U.S.-China relations at a time when the market is looking quite wobbly on its own. Growth is slowing volatility is rising, the credit markets are showing some cracks. So this is just the last thing investors need to have in the back of their minds. Adam, Louise and Nick, thank you very much. That was Victor Mallet talking to Louise Lucas, Nick Files and Adam Sampson. We'll be back with another news feature next week. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com slash offer. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.